book of Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem. Nehemiah in chapter 1 got word that the wall had been torn down. It broke his heart. He wept and he prayed and God called him to be the one to go and rebuild that wall. When we get to Nehemiah 12, the walls are built and they're being dedicated and uh, the, uh, the work basically has, has been done. All of the various gates have been repaired and the, the walls are, are back up. There was much opposition, Sanballat and Tobiah went up against uh, Nehemiah and his crew. They, had a, they were told to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other hand and uh, be ready to fight if necessary. And they did, and they got the, they got the work done. I want us to look tonight at uh, Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 27 through 31. There's, there's some interesting words here. I think that would be a, a help and a blessing to you tonight. Let's all stand together, if you would, and if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Chapter 12 and verses 27 down through 31. It says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem and from the village of Netophathai, also from the house of Gilgal and out of the fields of Geba and and, uh, 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 Asmaveth. uh, for the for the singers had had builded them villages round about Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and purified the people and the gates and the well. Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks, whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. Let's bow our heads for prayer, Father. It is such a privilege to serve you. It is such a privilege to have you as our God. And we're thankful for that tonight. We're thankful that uh, we can gather like this and gather freely and hear the word of God preached and exhort one another and be a blessing one to another. Uh, Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear tonight uh, as the word of God goes forth. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give me the words to say Uh, God, push me off to the side. Uh, I'm not the important one. You are. And Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up in all that's said tonight and in our thoughts and in our hearts as we concentrate on God's word. And uh, Lord, help the, the, the thrust of the message to get down deep into our hearts tonight to, to help us to realize that we've always got, no matter what our situation is, no matter what our circumstances might be in life, we've also always got so much to be thankful for because you're our God and we love you tonight. We pray your blessings upon this time in your word for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. The, uh, the, the particular gate that I want us to look at tonight was the last one that was mentioned in verse 31. 
And that was, that was, that's called the dung gate, okay? Take your Bibles and go to Nehemiah 3. Keep, keep your finger over here in, in 12. Uh, but go to Nehemiah 3. And in Nehemiah chapter 3, look down, if you would, in verse, verse 14. Nehemiah 3.14 says, But the dung gate repaired uh, Melchiah, the son of Rechab, uh, the ruler of part of, of Beth Hasserim. He uh, built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Now, the dung gate was repaired by Melchiah, and Melchiah means my king is Jehovah. I think that's significant because we're talking about a dung gate. A dung gate. What's the, what's the dung gate? Well, that's a place where all of the human waste and all the human refuse was dumped. You know, you think about it. Uh, we read about, we read about the, the, the fountain gate. That's a place of refreshment. Anybody, anybody can praise God and be thankful at the, at the fountain gate, because there's refreshment there. Uh, anyone, anyone can, uh, can uh, thank the Lord, even, even in the valley gate, because even in the valley you get some refreshment, because God leads and guides and directs us. But can you thank God at the dung gate? And that's what they did in chapter 12. They were thankful, and they were grateful at each of the individual gates. And the one I want us to look at tonight particularly is the dung gate. Now, if you look with me in, uh, in Nehemiah 3, look down in verses 13 through 15. It says, The valley gate repaired Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa. They built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall under the dung gate. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the, the ruler of part of Beth Hakarim, he, he built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. But the gate of the fountain repaired Shalom, the son of, of uh, Kalhosa, the ruler of part of Mizpah. He built it and covered it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and the wall of the pool of Siloah, by the king's garden and unto the stairs to go down from the city of David. There are, there are three gates that are mentioned, and the first one is the valley gate, the second one is the dung gate, and then the third one is the fountain gate. Um, you had to go through the valley gate and the dung gate before you could get down into and go through the, the fountain gate. The valley gate represents... Uh, humility. It re represents trials. It represents uh, God humbling us and knocking our pride down as we go through some, some difficult times in life. But then after that, you get to the dung gate. And the dung gate just, uh, you know, represents the dregs of life. Uh, the absolute worst things that we could possibly Go through, and then the third gate that you finally get to after going through those two is the fountain gate, and that's a place of refreshment. But you got to go through the valley gate. You got to go through the trials. You got to go through the difficulties. 
You got to go through the dark times. And then you have to go through the dung gate. You got to go through the dregs. I mean, the absolute disgusting things that, that uh, uh, just life contains. Again, you know, we're, we're living in a sin-cursed earth. So therefore, uh, there's, there's all kinds of junk that we have to wade through. There was a, there was a, a you know, a, a great work that they did on each of these gates and then also on the, the wall in its entirety. But the greatest work really that was done in the book of Nehemiah was not so much on the wall, but it was the work that was done in the people's hearts. And the, the people learned some valuable lessons. They learned, they learned how to sacrifice. They learned, uh, they, they, I believe a lot of them learned a skill that they didn't even know. Um, there's no indication that even Nehemiah had any uh, previous experience in building walls, and yet he saw a need. And, he, and, he, and you know, just like the, the men that we talked about this morning, four men that, that uh, took uh, the palsied man, took him up on the roof and let him down, down in, Nehemiah had some determination. And he was, his concern and his care motivated him. His love, obviously, for God was first. And then he was concerned about the people of God and concerned about, about the city of Jerusalem, and it broke his heart. And, and he went ahead and forged ahead and was used of God to, to repair the walls. Um, God delivered those people. Uh, they, they, were, they were thankful, and they had, uh, they, they had really lots of reasons to be thankful. Um, God had delivered them from, from great affliction. If you go with me to Nehemiah 1, where Nehemiah has delivered the message, look down in verse 3, Nehemiah 1, verse 3. It says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. They had much reproach, they had much affliction, and yet God strengthened them during this time and brought them through that great affliction and gave them deliverance. If you look with me in, in verse 5 of the same chapter, it says, I, I said, I beseech thee, o, o Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Um, they had a great God, and they knew that he was a great God. And uh, it's true that at that particular juncture, it didn't look like it because the wall had been, had been torn down. But, but God used his people to build that thing up and gave them great strength to do so. And he did so because he's a great God. Go to chapter 4 and look down at verse 14. It says, And I looked and rose and said, Unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. This is the opposition that was up against them as they tried to build the wall. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now, he uses a motivation, their families. But he said, look to God, because God's great. And he's the one that can get you through, and he's the one that can cause us to be able to complete the task. They knew they had a great God. Go to chapter 8. Chapter 8. Look down in verse 6. It says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their 
heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Over and over and over again, it says that, that they had a great God. By the way, so do you, <laughs> and so do I. We serve a great God, and we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind when we, when we go through the dung gate of life, just to remember that our God is great, and our God has been good to us, and our God has great power. Look back up again to chapter 1. We'll be flitting back and forth here. But back up to chapter 1 and look in verse 10. It says, Now these are thy servants and thy people. And this is Nehemiah's prayer. And he says, Whom thou hast uh, uh, redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. If you're saved here tonight, you've been redeemed. And you've been redeemed by a great power, the power of God. You've been redeemed by a great hand. And it's, we, we didn't get that redemption through ourselves. We got it purely through our God and our Savior. And uh, uh, they understood that they had a God who had great power. We ought to be thankful for that. Um, I know the world's falling apart. I know we're in the last days. I know the Bible says in the last days, perilous times shall come. I just got a, a phone call here, either this week or last, uh, from uh, Bill Grady. And when he was with us last year, he said that he was writing a book about, uh, it's got the title in it, Living in Perilous Times or something like that. And uh, talking about how that, yes, the times are perilous and he proves it in the book. And then, then uh, he goes at the end of the book and says, this is how you can live victorious in perilous times. We can't live victorious because we're great because we're nothing. We can live victorious because we've got a great God. Don't let the news get you down, okay? Uh, regardless of what the news says, your God is great. <laughs> and your God is in control. And you know, if you've read through your Bible, you know what the final chapter says. And he's victorious all of the junk that's going on. And so, so you know, be careful. We can get so wrapped up. And I, I understand you know, if, if you're a news junkie, hey, I, you know, I, 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 I resemble that remark because I am too. Uh, I, you know, I get, I get wrapped up in that kind of stuff. And sometimes what happens is we get our focus off of our God and on the circumstances. Honestly, circumstances don't look good. I heard, I was listening to the news uh, sometime this week uh, in the morning when I was getting ready. And uh, uh, they made the comment how that uh, Putin is even uh, talking now about, you know, you better, the United States better be careful. Uh, you know, we do have nuclear bombs. Well, that sounds like a threat to me. Um, I, I, that felt like deja vu all over again. You know, you're going back to, you're going back to the 60s with Nikita Khrushchev, uh, same type of thing. But, you know, if you didn't have a God to rely upon, man, it could get depressing. I'm thankful I've got a God. And I'm, not only do I have a God, but I've got a God who's powerful, mighty, and great. And uh, we can be thankful for his great power because that great power redeemed us. Uh, you go to chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. And verse 19. It says, I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall one from another. He says, the, you know, the work is great. It, it was great, and they completed that great work. 
They didn't complete the work, great work because they were great. They completed the great work because God gave them strength. Uh, go to uh, Nehemiah 6. Look down at verse 3. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Uh, why should the, the uh, uh, work cease while I, whilst, whilst I leave it and come down to you? And that was... Uh, uh, Nehemiah responding to uh, Sanballat and Tobiah saying, listen, why don't you stop? We need to have a meeting. We need to have a parlay. And he said, listen, there's a great work here to do. Uh, so we don't need to have a, a parlay. I don't, need to, I don't need to leave the work because the work is great. And what God has given to us is a great responsibility. We have a great work. We ought to be thankful for that. That's not something to say, oh, man, the, the job is tough. That job was tough for them too, but he strengthened them and he gave them the power to get it, get it accomplished. Then look at something else about, about their God that they were thankful for. Look in chapter 9, chapter 9, and uh, first off, look at verses 16 and 17. Chapter 9, verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly. And hardened their necks, and hearken not to thy commandments. Speaking of God's commandments, verse seventeen, and refused to obey. Now Israel was hard-hearted, and they were they were stubborn and they were proud. And it says they refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. Now, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that the, 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 the verse does not stop there because the verse continues and says, but thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and forsookest them not. I mean, you look at it. There have been times you've been stubborn. There have been times you've, you've been rebellious. There, we've all been there. There have been times when you've known that you shouldn't do something or that you should do something and that God made it very clear to you that you went ahead and did or didn't do it anyway. Uh, and yet, you look at it, he could have he wiped you out right at that point. He could have wiped me out. There, there's many times he could have done that. And yet he didn't. Why? Because he's kind. Because he's merciful. Man, what, what a blessing to have a God who knows that we are dust. Uh, that's become one of my, my favorite verses in Scripture. He knows that we are dust. I'm glad he knows what he's dealing with. I'm glad he knows. And because of that, he's patient and he's kind. Now, don't trample his mercy. But understand that, you know, when we, when we uh, exchange accolades back and forth and say, uh, how you doing? And you, and you say, oh, I got it better than I deserve. That's not just a flippant answer. That's the truth. <laughs> I mean, we've got it so much better than we deserve, and it's because we have a kind, gracious, forgiving, merciful God. And if that wasn't the case, you know, we'd, we'd, I'd, have been, I'd, I'd have been an ink blot on the pavement a, a whole lot sooner than this. Uh, God's, God's been merciful and God's been good. Look down in, in chapter 9. Look in uh, verses 30 through 32. It says, Yet many years didst thou forbear them, and testifiest against them by thy spirit in thy, in thy prophets, 
yet would they, would they not give ear, therefore gavest thou them into the, hands, uh, into the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keep his covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before thee that, that uh, hath come upon us on our kings, on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. In other words, God was kind, God was great, God was merciful. And you can see that in your own life. You should be able to look over your shoulder and look backwards and see it over and over again. Another thing that they, that they were thankful for, and the reason why they could be so thankful, was, was that God was good and the goodness of God. Look in uh, chapter 9 and verse 25. It says, And they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. So they, they did eat and were filled and became fat, and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. That's talking about God. God just, just I mean, you, look, you look at what we have. You know, we complain about, we complain about gas prices and we complain about, about rising inflation and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I understand it's, it, it, it's going in the wrong direction. Things are, are definitely not good in those areas. But you look at how good you've got it. And I look at how good I've got it. Uh, if you don't think you've got it good, you really need to go on a missions trip. <laughs> you know, you really do. You need to go and see how the rest of the world lives. Because God has greatly blessed America. He's greatly blessed us. And no matter what our circumstances or situations, just like the people of Israel, we've got much that we can be so thankful to God for. Now, when did they thank the Lord? Well, they thought they thanked the Lord specifically after the, there was a great work that had, had been accomplished. And when the work was finished, then they thanked God. Yeah. You know, think about this. You've got a salvation. If you're, if you're saved, if you know for sure that, you die, that when you die, you go to heaven because your sins are forgiven. You've, you've uh, uh, gotten that forgiveness from Jesus Christ the day that you believed on him and trusted him as Savior. Uh, when that occurred... Your salvation was finished. It was done. You don't have to worry about losing it. You don't have to worry about keeping it. It's not your responsibility anymore. Now it's his, and he's taking care of it. The debt is paid. It's finished. And when Jesus was on the cross and said, it is finished, he meant that the, 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 the whole payment for sin was totally complete. And so from the day that you get saved until the day you see him face to face, we have so much that we can be thankful for and should be thankful for. Um, you, it, it makes no difference what's going on in your life from the standpoint of, you know, you might, you might be going through right now a, a real trial. I, I've talked with some folks here over the last couple of weeks that, that are going through some things. Some folks right here in our church that have gone through, and of course the shipments have gone through some, some, real, some real tough times these last, this last week and a half. And uh, 
But, you know, one of, one of the things that's a blessing to me with Mrs. Shipman, you go up to her, you're not going to hear a griping spirit. You're not going to hear a complaining heart. You're not. You're just not. You know what she's going to say? She's going to say, God is good. And I've heard her say that over and over. And, and those are not just empty words to her. She means that with all of her heart. The truth of the matter is, no matter what we're going through, no matter how bad that dung gate sometimes can get, You've always got something to praise God for. If the only thing you've got is your salvation, man, you ought to be thankful for that. And honestly, and I realize I've, I've let some days slip, I'm sure, but I try every single day to just thank God that I'm saved. Thank God that he forgave me of all of my sins. I think sometimes we minimize just how great a work that was the day we got saved. And, and uh, regardless of what goes on in our lives, uh, w when you're saved, you always have something to be thankful for. Um, you know, it's just good to, to have gratitude for a God who is merciful. Uh, proud people are not thankful people. Humble people are thankful people. Um, complaining people are not thankful people. And, and uh, you know, a, a griping, complaining spirit uh, is not compatible with a, with a grateful heart. Now, what's the, what, what's the purpose? What's the purpose that God has for us of, of, of being thankful to God even when we're standing in the dung gate? And especially when you're in the dung gate of life. Again, anybody can praise God and be thankful uh, at the fountain gate, you know, when you're getting the refreshment. And, and even, even in the valley gate, uh, you know, you see the hand of God pretty clear. But sometimes, sometimes in the dung gate, it's, it's hard to see uh, God's leading and guiding and directing, but he's there. You know, you think about, you think about Job. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the book of Job is Job sitting at the dung gate. Uh, I mean, he, he had lost it all. And then when he wanted and needed to have some encouragement and he needed some help and he needed some words of exhortation, he got none from his friends. Instead, they just kind of beat him down. And, you know, you look at him and you look at God, I mean, you look at Job and his wife says, why don't you curse God and die? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. She, you know, you got to remember, not only did he lose everything, but she lost everything too. Now, the only thing she didn't lose from what we can, what we can see is she didn't lose her health and she didn't lose her husband, but, but she was, she was destitute. She was, she was defeated, I'm sure. And she said, why don't you curse God and, God and die? And his answer was, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what that is? That's thanking God and being grateful at the dung gate. That's exactly what it is. And, and, and uh, so what's the purpose? You know, what, why is it so important that we have a thankful spirit no matter what's going on in our lives? Well, let me give you, let me give you some reasons. Number one, it builds faith. It builds faith. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 116. Psalm 116. 
In Psalm 116, look down in verse um, 17. Psalm 116, 17 says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call on the name of the Lord. It says that he would be thankful first and then he would call on God. Why is that? Well, because being thankful builds your faith and it builds your confidence in God so that you, you, you have the understanding that you can call on him. He's been faithful to you in the past. He's been merciful to you in the past. And he's a God that never changes. And so therefore, we can go to him in confidence. Uh, one of the things that, and, and I, I, I challenge you to find it. Uh, find me a, 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 a place in Scripture where it says that when the children of Israel, after they left Egypt and were in the wilderness, find a place where they spent time thanking God. Now, what I do find is I find them uh, talking about God's victories and about what the Lord had done, and they did acknowledge those things. But you really don't see a super uh, grateful spirit. In fact, what you do see is a really is a complaining spirit. You see a lot of griping. You see a lot of complaining. Uh, the uh, in Exodus 15, after they're, they're, uh, they've escaped uh, Egypt and they've watched Pharaoh and his armies drowned in the Red Sea, uh, there is a song of victory. But it's, it, it doesn't really say anything about thanksgiving. It's just proclaiming the fact of what God did. But it doesn't say a whole lot about them being personally thankful that God did that for them. They just kind of reiterate what God did. And, uh, and you just do not find in, in all of those, those times, in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, you just don't find uh, much, much gratefulness. And the more gratefulness, and I found this in my life, I found this in the life of others, the more grateful we are, the more faith we have. Because, because we're reiterating not only what God has done, but we're thankful for what God has done. And then, then secondly, it, and we've already alluded to this, but it combats a, a complaining spirit. A thankful heart and a complaining spirit are not compatible. You can't. It just doesn't work. You're either thankful or you're griping. And, and uh, you know, it's, I, I have found this, <laughs> that it's a whole lot easier to gripe than it is to give thanks. It's just, it, it's just more work to give thanks. But the truth of the matter is, it really shouldn't be too hard to give thanks because we've got so much to be thankful for. And I realize, you know, and I'm not trying to in any way um, minimize struggles that people have. We all have them. Some of, some, of, some of you have rougher struggles than others. I understand that. But let me just really caution you about a complaining spirit. A complaining spirit sucks the gratefulness out of you. It just does. And these people, you know, the, uh, 
The folks that, that built that wall, they went through a lot of trouble. They went through a lot of trial. There, there were some difficulties really toward the end of the book of Nehemiah. The, Nehemiah asked them to do some very, very difficult things. They, they had let personal separation in their life uh, diminish. And he went to him and said, look, you got to do some things about some situations. And, and he, he told them what they had to do. And some of the stuff was really, really hard stuff. But you know what? They did it. You know why? Because they'd spent so much time prior to that giving thanks for what God had done for them. Now, did they have things to complain about? Sure they did. Sam Ballot and Tobiah were breathing down their necks. Uh, they had opposition. They had people mocking them when they were when they were trying to build the wall, rebuild the wall. But, but you don't find them complaining. You find them focusing on their God. You find them uh, thanking God for his goodness and for his power and for his might. Because a thankful heart and a complaining heart, they can't coexist. You're going to e either have one or the other. Remember that when you start complaining this week. That when the complaining starts, the gratefulness stops. When the complaining starts, the gratefulness stops. Then, then the third thing it does is it takes our focus off the circumstances and puts our eyes on the Lord. You know, you think about when, and, and this is a typical illustration, it's such a good one, when Peter was in the boat out in the, the middle of the sea and Jesus came and walked on the water and he said, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And he gets out of the boat, starts walking. I don't know. Can you imagine the, the experience? Can you imagine the feeling of just, you know, getting out? And every other time he ever did that, got out of a boat, he went, push, you know, went in. Instead, he just, he, it was like he was walking on concrete, you know? And, and uh, he was fine as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. And as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord and started looking at the, at the waves and the wind, what happened? Well, he started to sink. Well, that's you and me. That's you and me. Uh, what thankfulness does, it keeps our focus on him. And it, it, it reminds us on a regular basis as we're regularly thankful that God has been good to us and that God loves us. One of the things that, that uh, God loves to do and you find this all the way through Scripture. God loves to give beauty for ashes. He loves to take a horrible situation and clean it up and get honor and glory from it. And I, I've seen God do that over and over again. I've watched it in, in your lives. I've, I've seen people get saved in this church. I've seen people's lives that were a mess get righted. And that doesn't mean you still don't have struggles. We all have struggles. I understand that. But, but uh, it, when, you, when you see what God can do and how, how much he rejoices in taking a mess and turning it into something that's for his honor and for his glory, uh, it's, it's, it's a real blessing. And when we, when, we, when we spend time thanking God, it takes our focus off the circumstances and puts them back on him. And then the, the last thing it does is that thankfulness shows others what a great God we serve. Uh, go back to Nehemiah in chapter 12. Nehemiah 12, which is where we started here tonight. Nehemiah 12. 
And look down in verse uh, 43, Nehemiah 12, 43. Nehemiah 12, 43 says, also that day. And this is what they're rejoicing. They're thanking God for being able to have the walls built and, uh, and the gates restored. Verse 43, also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children re rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. You know what, you know what thankfulness does? Don't keep, by the way, don't keep your thankfulness to yourself. You say, well, I don't. I praise God when I'm in church. All right. Do you praise God when you're out in the workplace? Do you praise God when you're, when you're with lost family? Do you praise God when you're with your lost neighbors? You ought to. You know why? Because when you're thankful, it shows others what a great God we've got. And that's how they see the great God we got. They see it through our testimony. You, you, did you ever notice how the world uh, throws their enjoyment of sin in other people's face? Um, the world is, is, unfortunately, is not ashamed of their sin, and they push it on us. All right, well, push your thankfulness to God on them. And I don't mean that in a, in a mean or nasty way. I mean, it should just be natural. Uh, let them know that while they're, while they're pushing their sin in your face, you are thankful to a God who's done great things for you. And, and one of the ways that, that people see the difference in us is they see, instead of seeing a complaining spirit, they see a thankful spirit. And, and tr the truth of the matter is, this, this whole world is getting more and more of a complaining spirit all the time. And so if you've got a rejoicing spirit, uh, you stick out. I remember, this, this, this is quite a few years ago, but... Uh, I used to pay a particular bill for that, that I had on a monthly basis. I would, I would go right to the business and pay the bill right here in town. <clears throat> and I was doing it, I don't know, for two, three years, something like that. And uh, one day I came in, and uh, where it was, it was the, it was the uh, company that uh, also uh, provided uh, the... Um, uh, the public access for us uh, at that time it was through through a, 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 the company that did the internet and all that kind of stuff, internet and cable and so on, and uh, they uh, they provided the public access for us, and that's we started that thing way way back uh, on the on the public access channel here in town, <clears throat> and uh, so I would go in and I'd, I'd pay the bill. And one day, the lady was a real sweet lady on the other side, and it was usually the same one that I dealt with time after time after time. And uh, she, she made some kind of a comment about, we can all, always tell when, uh, even if we've got our backs turned, when you're here. Because you have such a joyful heart. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I just... I just Rejoicing in the Lord when I walked into that place, paying a bill. Now that's that's something you have to work at sometimes, but nonetheless, uh, you know, she said, you know, we we notice. I, I didn't I didn't even think of it. I mean, I, it wasn't any different than I normally am. But but here's the thing: if you've got the joy of the Lord in you, folks, uh, the rest of the world's going to see it. 
they're going to notice it. If you've got a thankful spirit, you're going to stick out because the rest of the world is not. Have you ever, ever gone down the street and, and you're driving your car and you look and your, your uh, eyes catch the glance of somebody else either coming the other way or you pull up alongside of somebody, you look over, you're both stopped at a light, you look over and the person looks terrible. I mean, they, they, I mean if, if looks could kill, you'd have been dead on the floor of your car. Um, they ju you know, just, just a, a, you know, and, you, and you look and you say, well, they got the joy, joy, joy that were down deep in their heart. That's normal. <laughs> That's average, okay? That's what the world is. Think about it before you got saved. You weren't, you weren't much either, and neither was I. Man, when you get saved and you start thanking God and having a praising spirit, that makes a difference. Complaining brings uh, reproach upon our God, but, but rejoicing, uh, that, that brings glory and honor to him. Anybody can praise God in the fountain gate. But are you praising God and being thankful and grateful for what he does for you when you're in the dung gate of life? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for being so good to us and a God that really, honestly, Lord, when we don't praise you and thank you and be grateful to you like we should, shame on us because you've been so good. You know, we look at, at what you've done with our lives. We look at what you've done with the lives of others. I mean, when I preach, I look out upon trophy after trophy of the grace of God. And, and you, have, you have done wonderful things in the lives of people. We ought to be not only thankful for what you've done for us, but we ought to be continually thankful for what you have done in the lives of others. God, forgive us when we complain. Forgive us when we gripe. We, we may be going through, so there may be some folks tonight, whether, it, whether uh, they're here or maybe they're, they're listening on live stream tonight, and uh, they're just going through. They're going through the dung gate. I mean, they're going through the dung gate face first, and it's just a mess. But Lord, if they be honest about it, they have much to be thankful for. They've got their salvation. They can look back and they can see the effects that you have had on their lives and on their family. And where in the world would we be tonight if it wasn't for the grace of God and the mercy of God on our lives? Father, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts tonight. Forgive us for when we've been had such a complaining spirit. And help us, God, may we have a resolve in our hearts tonight to be thankful to a God who's worthy of praise. And we'll be careful to be grateful to you and give you praise and honor and lift you up in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.